Lily Baltrip was a good bus driver. So good, in fact, that in 1988, the Houston, Texas School District nominated her for a safe driving award. Her colleagues even trusted her to drive a busload of them to the ceremony for safe drivers. Unfortunately, on the way to the ceremony, Lily turned a corner too sharp and flipped the bus over. (laughs) Sending herself and 16 others to the hospital for minor injuries. Some of you may say, well, what happened to the award? Did she still get the award? They took it away from her. You believe that? Evidently, that school district did not believe in following the principle of grace. That's the word I want to focus on today with you is the word grace. How would you define grace? Grace is gaining something for nothing. It's gaining something of great value or significance despite nothing that you or I have done. This morning I want to talk to you about a theme that is central to the Easter story, and that is the theme of grace. It seems as though God has a long track record of offering grace in his word. We know the woman who was caught in adultery. The penalty was death by stoning. Her accusers trying to trick Jesus at the time, came up to Jesus, you know the story, and they asked Jesus, knowing uh, what should be done, they said, what should we do with this woman who was caught in the act? And we know Jesus famously said, that he who is without sin cast the first stone. And then turning to the woman, Jesus asked her, woman, where are your accusers? And she said, there are none, my Lord. And he said, neither do I accuse you. Now go and sin no more. This woman who was caught dead to right was the recipient of Jesus' unmerited favor. She was the recipient of grace. We've been talking a lot lately about that woman right there, the Samaritan woman at the well. We know how much that the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. They did not even associate with each other. Yet in John chapter 4, Jesus has an encounter with that woman. He talks to her about her life and he knows what she's been involved with and he changed her life by offering her unmerited favor. In Matthew 8, Jesus healed a centurion servant. In Matthew 15, Jesus heals a Gentile woman's daughter. In Matthew 9, Jesus ate with tax collectors and other sinners. All of these and so many more were unworthy, yet Jesus offered unmerited favor. None of them deserved grace, but they were given grace nonetheless. But this morning, I want to talk about one main character with this word grace. I want to talk about Peter. Now, Peter oftentimes gets a bad rap, doesn't he? (laughs) Um, But if you think about it, Peter was one of the bravest out of the twelve. He sometimes was the only one to step out in faith and to do things that the eleven wouldn't do. But for our purposes today, I do want to talk about the impetuous 
Peter, the impatient Peter, the always getting himself into trouble Peter, the always putting his foot in his mouth Peter. How many of you would say without a show of hands that kind of describes my life? (laughs) Say that again. How many of us could say we are impetuous, we are impatient, we're always getting ourselves into trouble, always putting our mouths in our feet, mouths in our Foot in our mouths. Foot in our mouths. You catch nothing else, but you catch that one thing that I said. But you will offer me grace, won't you? That's right. If any of you all says anything to me, the pulpit's yours next Sunday morning. Just kidding. Just kidding. I, did I just put my foot in my mouth in that state? Wow. Let's go on. The famous story, we know Peter and Jesus walking on the water. Matthew 14 plays this out. The twelve were in the boat by themselves when a nasty storm comes up. The guys are struggling to maintain control, and all of a sudden they see Jesus just taking an evening stroll out on the sea. Without really thinking through it, without really thinking, Peter steps out. Ask if he could come out, and Jesus says, yes, come. So Peter steps out of the boat, and we know the story. He's actually walking on water, but we know that his lack of faith quickly begins to send him into the water. And then he cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus lifted Peter with his pinky finger out of the sea. And he says, oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? And no doubt that Peter never forgot this episode when Jesus once again showed him mercy. How about the time in Matthew 16 when there was a rebuke? Jesus begins telling the twelve that he is soon to come to Jerusalem to go through all that he has to go through. And Peter said, no, Lord, no, you will never have that happen to you. And he began to rebuke Jesus. And do you remember what Jesus said to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And what do you think Peter was thinking? Wow. Did he just call me Satan? He called me Satan. And Peter, realizing what he did, probably said, What's wrong with me? When will I ever learn to just shut up? I think we at times can say that in our life, amen? When at times will I ever learn? But you know what? Jesus didn't kick him out of the group, did he? Jesus' mercy and love and forgiveness just loved him back into the fold. You see, Jesus was merciful. There's the thick-headed Peter who told Jesus he could never wash his feet. Then a few hours later, we see the hot-headed, reckless Peter slash off the ear of Malchus, the high priest servant. In the Garden of Gethsemane, and what does Jesus do? He puts it all back together again. He cleans up after Peter's mess. Time after time, Peter gets himself into trouble. 
And time after time, Jesus shows mercy and forgiveness. Now I want you to follow me to the garden. That is a real life picture of the garden. I would love to go there someday. The eleven are sleeping and Jesus has already gone off to pray. As they were sleeping, who knows what some of them may have been dreaming about, but they woke up to a real live nightmare as they saw the hands of Jesus being tied by the soldiers. And the disciples, they realize what is going on. It's been getting very tense around their group as of late. And there's been a lot of nasty rumors going around. And all of a sudden, it's happening. Jesus has been able to elude uh, the soldiers and elude the priests and the scribes and the Pharisees. But they finally got him. And they take off and they scatter. Where's Peter? As they scatter... He takes off running as well, doesn't he? Now perhaps, just perhaps, as Peter runs away, he begins thinking about what he's doing. Just supposition, but I can only imagine. It doesn't tell us in the scripture that everyone but Peter left. It says they all took off. So we can suppose what took place as Peter is running and he's dodging the trees in and out of the trees and maybe he's getting hit by branches and all of a sudden he stops and he thinks about everything he's done and somewhere in the woods surrounding Gethsemane he stops and he says to himself, no, 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 I'm done running. I'm done failing my Lord. How many times has Jesus come to my aid? How many times has Jesus forgiven me when I messed up? No, not this time. I will not leave him this time. I told him just a few hours ago that I would even be willing to die for him. And with great self-determination, Peter turns around and he follows secretively. Follows that crowd that has taken Jesus. If you notice, I said, with great self-determination. We can't do anything by self, can we? It's just a matter of time before self will fail us, but that's another message. Matthew 26 records this story that I'm telling you. Peter is now caught up with Jesus just outside of where they have taken him in to the religious leaders. But he's just a little bit too late. Jesus is already standing before the high priest, so Peter just has to hang out in the courtyard. At least, hey, at least I've not left him. At least, hey, where are the other guys? They're not around. At least I came back for Jesus. I don't know what I'm going to do, but at least I'm here. And then we read the all too familiar, all too painful event that took place. Two girls and a group of peasants accused Peter of being one and one of them. And, hey, you even sound like him. You have his accent. And Peter is reduced to a weak-kneed, fearful, shaking cowardice of a man. And he quickly found himself denying the one that he said he would die for just a few hours ago. 
And after the third denial, Peter heard the sound that probably haunted him for the rest of his life. Off in the distance, he heard that bird. He heard that rooster. The verse is, therefore, you and Peter remember the word of Jesus who had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. It's easy to jump on Peter, isn't it? It's easy to kind of act all self-righteous and say, how dare he do that? Folks, how many times have you and I failed our Lord? How many times have we messed up? How many times do we wish we could have gone back and done it over again or not said that the way we said it or not done what we did to hurt or offend someone or how we messed up again with our kids or how we messed up again with our spouse and we're not really much better than Peter, are we? Folks, I believe at that moment when Peter heard that rooster there in that cobblestone alley mere yards from his Lord, I believe Peter collapsed in the shadows. The Bible gives us an indication that he broke. Something inside of Peter died and I can just imagine a conversation. Can you imagine what he was experiencing at that moment? He turned around. He wasn't going to fail his Lord. He was going to back him. He was going to be there. He was going to obey his Lord and he did it again. Two girls, two little girls reduced him to nothing. You can imagine Peter saying, Jesus, my Lord, what have I done? I've done it again. Not again. As he's sitting there in perhaps a fetal position in the shadows, all the times that he's messed up in the past come flooding back into his mind. Every time Jesus knows that God forgave him, but now it's too late. Now he's, he's just gone too far. And, and as we get closer uh, to this man in the shadows, we might be able to hear him say, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not getting out of this one. Even if Jesus was able to break away from his captors and even if he were right here in front of me and offered me forgiveness, I couldn't take it, not this time. I have failed him too, too, too many times. I've gone too far. I don't deserve his forgiveness. I don't deserve his grace. Not after this. When in all actuality, Peter could not really forgive himself. I have a video that I want to show you. It's of the skit guys, but it's a great video. Hopefully it'll come through. Watch this. Grace is God's unmerited favor for us, his crazy love. And the truth is, many times we struggle understanding it. If you find yourself struggling to understand God's grace, don't beat yourself up. Even the disciples struggled with understanding grace. 
Jesus, is that you? You're alive. I can't believe you're alive. Okay, I was in the boat, and I wasn't catching any fish, okay? But I heard this voice, and the voice said, cast your net to the other side. And so I'm thinking, I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing, but I'm not catching any fish, you know? And so I throw that net over there, and then a gaggle of fish pop into that net, and I'm going, this is a total miracle. Who could have done that? I need to know who told me to throw the net to the other side. And boom, I look up, and I mean, there is you. You're looking at me on the seashore going, it is I, the Lord, and you're alive. I can't believe you're alive. This is awesome. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on. Peter, yeah. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. I love you. You're alive. This is so great. Good. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on, man. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? I love you. Yes. And I'm so sorry about that rooster cluck, and I had no idea what that meant, but I do not. I'm better for it, all right? Okay. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, I'm smiling, but I'm serious. Come on, get out of the boat. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? Jesus, mere words cannot describe the passion that I have for you. I love you. You know everything. I love you. Good. Good. Then feed my sheep. I didn't even know you had livestock. <laughs> that is so like you, though. There's something new about you all the time. That's what I love about you. Peter, yeah. do you remember uh, the morning the ladies went to the tomb? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're all in the upper room trying to figure out what to do next, you know, because we thought you were dead. You know, you were dead, you know, and we're trying to figure all that out, you know. And Mary comes running up, and Mary's like saying, beehive, beehive, beehive. And I'm thinking, I'm allergic to bees. Like, keep them out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but as she kept getting closer, I heard her correctly. She was saying, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. <laughs> and we're going, who's alive, who's alive? And she said, she was at the tomb, and the tomb was empty. And she said that the, there was an angel there. And the angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. And so me and John, we hightailed it down there. And if John says he beat me, he's totally lying, all right? I beat him, <laughs> FYI, all right, you know? And we get down there, and I'm looking in that tomb, and it is. It is empty. There's nothing in there, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And John is right there. John is so good with words. He should write a book. He is so good with words. And John said, don't you get it, Peter? This is everything Jesus said he was going to do, and you did it, and it's done. Let's go. This is so great. Wait. The angel said what? Uh, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. You've risen. Let's go. This he is said okay. what? Go tell the disciples and Peter. Go tell the disciples and Peter. You said my name. Why did you say my name? Peter, that's grace. No, no, I don't, I don't deserve that because that night people kept coming up to me asking me if I belonged to you, if I was with you, and I kept denying you left and right, all right? No, it'll take me my whole life to make up for what I did. It was unforgivable for no, what I did. No, What I did on the cross was meant to take what is unforgivable and make it forgivable. That's my grace. It's not about you. It's always about me. That's grace, Peter. Why is Easter one of the most well-attended services of the year? Do you think about that? I think deep down, people, I think people really want to believe that he really did rise again from the dead, right? I think they really want to believe that. But it's more than that. I think they, they want to know, what does that mean for me? 
I mean, it's incredible that this Jesus, okay, uh, they said he's risen from the dead, all right? I mean, it's, I thought it was just a fable, fairy tale, but what if he really did rise again from the dead? That's, that must have life-altering implications to it. And what does that mean for me? Folks, there are many themes surrounding Easter, but there are none greater than grace. Grace. What do I mean? The cross. The cross is the place where Jesus paid the penalty for your sin and my sin. And the Bible says that without the remission of blood, or without the sacrifice and the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. The cross represents the place where you and I should be hanging. Now, many people don't like this. Why is that? Many people don't like this part of the message because there's many people in the world today that don't think they've done too many things wrong. They think they're a good person. They think they've done more good things in their life than bad. They're, they're not bad or sinful people. But here's the thing. You and I don't get to pick the rules, do we? We don't get to pick the rules. For God said in his word, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It also tells us that the wages of sin is death. However, the cross is also a place where you will find grace. God's grace has given us what we don't deserve. Now think about this. God's grace gives us what we don't deserve, but his mercy keeps withholding things that we do. Let me say it again. God's grace keeps giving us things we don't deserve, but his mercy keeps withholding things that we do. This is the message of the cross. Without the cross, there is no forgiveness of sins. We are still dead in our sins, and we are to be most pitied. But you see, grace is also the message of Easter, isn't it? see, we really have two equations going on here. We have the sin equation, and then we have the death equation. I can only pray that this is falling on open and receptive hearts, because this sounds very churchy, sounds very pastory to say these things, but it's true. We have two equations. One is sin that has to be dealt with, and one is death. That has to be dealt with. And both of them you cannot do anything about. You are powerless. We have a lot of control in this life. We have a lot of things that we can do in this life. But you and I are powerless when it comes to the sin and the death issue. That's just the reality of it. When Jesus went to the cross, he paid the price for our sins, but the death equation still had to be taken care of. 
For without victory over death, we have no victory over sin, church. Without victory over death, there is no life and life more abundant and there definitely is no eternal life. How many of you knew Gladys Richardson? Let me see your hands. How many of you knew Gladys Richardson? Thank you. A few days ago on Good Friday of all days, I stood at her gravesite. The family just wanted a private, small service and funeral, and they asked if I could share. So on Good Friday, the same day that we remember the day that Jesus died and was placed in the grave was the same day that Gladys was placed in her grave. But as we stood there on Friday afternoon in the pouring rain, I was able to give the wonderful words of hope to the family. For here is where the message of Easter really comes in. When Jesus rose again, and I'm just telling you based upon factual evidence that could be proved in a court of law. That was a message I preached one time, and that was a study that someone, I believe, Lee Strobel did in his book. In a court of law, could, could the, uh, the uh, topic of Jesus' resurrection, could it be upheld? Yes, it could be withheld. When Jesus rose again, a fact I believe is true, he took care of the other half of the equation. Good Friday took care of the sin half of the equation, but I told the family of Gladys that even though it was Friday, Sunday was a coming. Sunday took care of the other half of the equation. It took care of death. Remember I talked last week, church? How do we keep our fires lit? When was the last time that the revelation of God made you go, wow, this should be some revelations of God right now, David, for me and for you? Yeah. Because Jesus both died and rose again, grace can be fully realized and experienced. Folks, let me say that there is forgiveness for you no matter what you have done. <laughs> yeah. No matter what you've done. Because both the cross and the tomb is empty this morning, you too can receive grace. Ephesians 1.7, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. We all know this one. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. And I love this next passage. 1 Corinthians 15. But tell me this. Since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless. And your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God. 
For we have said that God raised Christ from the dead. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. That's an awesome chapter. That's an awesome passage of Scripture. You see, without Jesus' resurrection, we have no victory over our sins because the death part of the equation would still have to be dealt with. And grace ultimately would not be possible. Something that I just started thinking about this morning when I woke up and I started reviewing the message and I started getting my mind where it needed to be and there was a thought that came to my mind and it was this. If Jesus had not risen again from the grave, can you imagine what Peter would have been left with? the last conversations that he's had with Jesus, the last interaction that he had with Jesus, the last uh, defining moment that he had in the life of Jesus, he would have been stuck with that for the rest of his life. Remorse. Regret. Failure. Betrayal. He would have lived with that for the rest of his life. He may have even committed suicide. Who knows if he would have been able to live with himself. But because Jesus rose again, Peter was able to experience grace. You heard what they said on the video. The angel said, go and tell the disciples and Peter. And Peter. Why did he say and Peter? Because there isn't anything that you and I can do that is too far from the love of God. There isn't any place that we can go where God's love and His grace and His forgiveness cannot bring you back. I don't know where you're at today. There may be someone here today that you think you are like Peter. You too have gone too far. Not true. There are millions in the world today that are living with regret, living with remorse, living with failures, living with acts of betrayal. And here's the thing, they don't have to live with that anymore. You don't have to live with that anymore, if I'm speaking to someone like that today. You don't have to live like that anymore. Jesus conquered sin and death so we could experience his grace. I may be speaking to someone here today like Peter. You could be an unbeliever. You've been running all your life from the Lord been running from this Jesus thing and you realize your life is messed up and there's just no way that a a holy, awesome God could accept you. Maybe I'm talking to a believer here this morning, but recently you've been messing up. Recently there's some failure in your life that is really causing you trouble. You're plagued with something in your conscience and your heart. You have your own rooster that's wreaking havoc in your mind. 
And you can't escape it and you can't forgive yourself. Do you remember what Jesus said on the cross? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The grace of Jesus reaches so far that you and I, do you realize that you and I can put our names right there? Well, you and I can put our names there as Jesus said, Father, forgive Brock. Forgive Debbie, forgive John, forgive Julie. They, they don't realize what they're doing. You see, that day, Jesus prayed the prayer of grace. And if that's you, I ask you this morning to listen to the message of the cross. For the message of the cross is, come to me, child, and I'll forgive you. Listen to the message of an empty tomb. As it says, trust and believe in Jesus Christ, the risen Savior who has the power to forgive and to cleanse you from anything and everything that you've done. I'm going to end with this story this morning. Peter Miller was a Baptist preacher during the time of the Revolutionary War. Peter was also a very good friend of George Washington. In the same town lived a man named Michael Whitman. Michael Whitman was an evil-minded man who did everything he could to oppose and humiliate Pastor Miller. But one day, Michael Whitman was arrested for treason and sentenced to die. Pastor Pete Miller traveled 70 miles on foot to Philadelphia to plead for Michael Whitman. All of a sudden, you may be thinking, why would he do that? George Washington was there that day helping preside over the hearings and he saw Pastor Miller and he knew that everything Michael Whitman had done to de try to destroy his friend. And he looked at his friend and he said, Peter, I cannot grant you the life of your friend. To which Pastor Miller said, my friend, he's the bitterest enemy that I have. And George Washington exclaimed, what? You mean you've walked 70 miles to save the life of an enemy? That puts the matter in a different light altogether. I'll grant your pardon. <coughs> Pastor Miller took Michael Whitman back home, no longer an enemy, but a friend. Romans 5.8 tells us that yet while you and I were sinners, Christ died. For us. Amen is right. Folks, Jesus came more than 70 miles. He came all the way from heaven's throne to Calvary to endure the cross. He defeated death three days later just so that you and I could experience grace. And even be called a friend of God. As we saw in the video, the angels told the women, Go, tell his disciples and Peter. 
This morning I too have a message from the angels and they want me to, to, to declare, go, go tell Julie, Rick, Randy, Lisa, or whoever you are, tell the entire world that Jesus is alive. And because he is alive, they too can have the free, unmerited grace of Jesus Christ if they will but take it. It does not matter what you've done. It does not matter where you've been. The empty tomb means there's grace for you. Corinthians just said, if Jesus has not raised, he's not alive, there's no hope for us. That's why this is our greatest day. Friday was a heavy day, a great day, but today is redemption day. Today is victory day. Where are you at? Singers, if you want to come on up. Where are you at? We're going to sing a, an old classic hymn. Maybe God's spoken to someone here this morning. I don't know. I know Easter, there's always a lot of build-up. We have a lot of activity on an Easter service, but nothing is more important than this moment right here. Nothing is more important than God dealing with the heart, dealing with the soul, dealing with the life. As we sing this song, I just invite you, if there's anything on your heart, the altars are open for you. I pray that you would also leave encouraged and rejoicing over the victory of this day, grace. Grace fully realized because he's alive. If you don't have that hope, if you don't have that experience of sins forgiven, you can today. You can at this very moment. Go and tell the disciples. Go and tell. And he's telling all of you today. I'm alive. Accept my grace. Allow me to come into your heart. Would you bow your heads please? Father God. Thank you. Thank you God for the message of grace. Thank you Lord. Or without the message of grace, where would we be this morning? Lord, if there's someone, is there just one person? One person who has not experienced your grace. Lord, this could be their moment. Lord, this morning we have an empty tomb that gives us the message of your grace. And we thank you for that, God. Mm. Thank you for marvelous grace, matchless grace of our loving Lord. Holy Spirit, have your way with us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you?